Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. We are back again for the Rob the Genius podcast. This is our third episode we're starting here. And we are, as I'm doing this, well actually I'm in the car as I'm doing this, but we are also rapidly approaching the end of the second week of the quarantine slash social social distance thing thing going on here. And where I live, it's going to be going on a good bit longer because school is out for the next four weeks after this one. So if you got kids in school, yeah, you're probably going to be home for a while. And at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if they just canceled the whole school year going forward because the four weeks takes us to almost the end of April. And at that point, you got like, what, a month and a half left? And, yeah, I mean, I just they're probably just going to need to cancel the whole thing. But they're trying to hold it off as long as they can. Now, in uh, Virginia, they already canceled for the rest of the school year. So I don't know how that's going to, you know, I don't know how you're going to make up from that. Uh, I mean, obviously, if there's some stuff that was only... A semester long, then if you passed it, then you're fine. But the stuff that's classes that's supposed to go on all year, hey, I don't know how you, I don't know how you're going to do that. And still, you know, start next school year on time and all that kind of thing. This is like I've told my kids, this is uncharted territory. We have no idea where this is going. And trying to put an end date on it or trying to you know fit into a little box or figure it all out now is not a good idea because we don't know how this thing is going to turn uh, hopefully you know the when we get people tested and then they're going to be more positives obviously because we're testing more people and hopefully as many people will survive as possibly can. Hopefully we can treat as many people as possibly can. Hopefully we can, you know, make some headway on this thing and save as many lives as possible. And, you know, if you're so inclined, you know, they say a prayer for the hospital workers, you know, because they're like, they're on the front lines you know, of all this. And, I mean, they're like soldiers right now, basically. And, you know, say one for them. Say one for the people who are delivering food and delivering other things. Say one for the people who are preparing food. You know, all those people are helping keep keep this whole country, this whole society afloat right now while all this is going on. So, you know, if you know if you're not if you're not a praying kind of person then just you know, keep them in your thoughts. If look for some way, if there's some way you can possibly help, or be of assistance. You know, do what you can. Because look, I get no insight here. We don't know, and that's the best way to look at it. Meanwhile, be as careful as you possibly can yourself, so that you, you know, minimize your chances of getting infected and minimize your chances of infecting somebody else. Like this thing is no joke, and you know before it's all done, 
we're all probably going to know somebody who's been infected and had to get treated for it. And hopefully, you know, and some of us are going to know people who got infected and didn't make it. And that sucks. And all we can really do at this point is do whatever we can to identify people and treat them and be there for each other and help each other and look out for each other. Because, you know, like I've said a bunch of times, we're not here to do this all by ourselves. You know, we're here with each other, amongst each other, and we're supposed to, you know, be there for each other, supposed to help each other, supposed to do stuff for each other. It ain't just about, you know, doing stuff for yourself as long as you're here. You know, it's not about that. So, what I'm going to do here today, I promised I wouldn't get too heavy this time around, because I know I got a little heavy, you know, both the first two episodes in some spots, so I'm going to try not to do that, although no guarantees, I will probably veer off into a little more serious stuff, at least for a few minutes here or there. But I hope y'all are, you know, those of you who are at home, I hope that you're finding stuff to do. I hope that you're keeping your wits about you. I'm doing my best. I'm, you know, getting into a bunch of different things. Well, basically still catching up on stuff that I didn't get a chance to watch before. So I'm, I'm in the season two of The Office. And then while I took a little pause from that, I started watching 30 Rock because I never, I, you know, never really got a chance to watch that either. So I'm in about season two of that also. Uh, if I had to choose between the two, I'd go with The Office. 30 Rock is funny, and but it doesn't really, it doesn't hold my attention the way The Office does. If that makes any sense. But they're both good, funny shows if you want to, if you're thinking about checking out either one definitely recommend either one of them and haven't really done any movies yet since uh, Black Klansman last week but might have one or two might get into and also I'm thinking about checking out that Tiger King thing that's on uh, Netflix I've seen people tweeting about it and it just sounds totally insane so after a while you know I gotta check it out for myself I don't know if I'll have a, like any type of big review or anything, but it sounds crazy. And it sounds like something that once you get started watching, you can't take your eyes off of it. So I think I'm probably over the weekend going to dabble in that a little bit and see how that goes. And also, uh, ESPN's been replaying the 30 for 30 documentary on O.J. Simpson. Uh, they're doing the last part on a Thursday night so by the time you listen to this it'll already have come and gone but it was a, that was an excellent documentary I watched it the first time and so I'm watching it again the second time now and you know it's not just about OJ Simpson you know it it's paints a pretty big picture or, you know it gives you a pretty broad view of a lot of things, you know, uh, issues in regards to black people and the 
justice system and celebrity and what it means to be black and famous. You know, and that's, I mean, that's some pretty heavy stuff, but it's extremely well done and it's even entertaining in spots, even though, you know, ultimately it's about a guy who a lot of people believe killed his ex-wife and her boyfriend I'll leave it to you to decide for yourself I know some people I talk to still think he, think he's not guilty um, personally I think that he had to at least be in on it I don't think he's free and clear but if you watch you know if you watch the bits and pieces about the parts that are about the trial itself uh, you can see just how terrible a job the prosecution did with him uh, there's so many things that they just either blew it totally or they fell into a trap that was set by OJ's defense team. And so even, look, no matter how you feel about his guilt or innocence, I mean, you watch this and you watch some of the other specials that have been out there about the trial, and you can see how he ended up getting acquitted. Um, it's as much a failure of the prosecution and the police department as it is you know any job he and his attorneys did of convincing anyone of his innocence so yeah I mean that's definitely worth your time it's, it's kind of long you know it's five episodes they two hours a piece so you're going to need to set aside some time for it but if you can if you got it to do I would definitely do it it's definitely worth your time it's definitely worth your attention Now, you, the song you heard at the beginning there, that was uh, Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So they're going to be the musical guests this week. And unlike my first two musical guests, no, they are not, you know, unsung or underrated. They're, you know, they've gone on to be a pretty big deal over the last, you know, 30, 35 years. They've been around for a while now. So they started... You know, I was in like middle school, I think, when they started, and then they, they they blew up when I was in high school, and they've been a big deal ever since. Yeah, I got a bunch of their songs. I got a bunch downloaded. I got a bunch of CDs of theirs. They're one of my favorite groups, so I'm going to be playing them a lot. You know, throughout this episode. Still haven't seen them live yet. That's one of the things on my list. Got to go see them live sometime. Uh, they're one of the, you know, groups I want to get to see. I haven't, you know, they, well, there's several that I haven't seen yet that I want to go see. But they're at the top of the list. I, I want to go see Green Day, Foo Fighters. I haven't seen any of them yet. Still like to catch, I, I haven't seen Public Enemy. That's, you know, Public Enemy is one of my favorite rap groups. Still haven't seen them yet live. And now, <laughs> we don't, based on what's happened recently, we don't know how that's going to look if <laughs> if they go on tour again. Hopefully they'll, you know, get things patched up or whatever or iron out what they need to iron out so that the whole group can be out there. And so it's not just, you know, Chuck with some recording of Flavor Flavor or something, you know. But... Sorry, sorry for the weird, awkward pause there, but yeah, I'm 
thinking as I'm driving here. I wanted to, you know, change up the musical genre a little bit because, you know, I did, did rap for the first two weeks, and I'm going to come back to that, you know, because, look, I'm sticking with people that I like and, you know, who are in my collection, who are amongst my favorite artists. But figured I'd switch it up for this week, see how it goes. I'll, I'll come back to it. And, you know, I'll definitely, some weeks, will definitely do some of the other names I mentioned. You know, Green Day, Foo Fighters, Public Enemy. I'll do some Santana some weeks. I, I actually saw saw Santana a couple years ago. Really good. So I've seen them, seen Black Keys a few years ago. They're really good, too. I'll play some of them sometime. And we'll just, you know, we'll keep it going. And again, if you haven't heard any of these folks, or if you haven't heard one of these folks, uh, my hope is that you will get a little sample of them and go check out some more for yourself. And now we're going to act. Speaking of music, uh, we're going to do a little more for you here in just a second, and then we will move on to the next thing on the list. Alright, so that was Scar Tissue from the Red Hot Chili Peppers from Californication. Uh, one of their albums from the 2000s. And a lot of good songs off of that one. Might do a few more for you later, or at least one more from that for you later. But for now, it's time for me to run my mouth a little bit more. And the thing that really, you know, got in my head this week was uh, that O.J. Simpson documentary I had mentioned earlier. You know, they showed the last part of it last night. Now, today's Friday while I'm doing this part of the show here. And it's just, I mean, the entire thing was just really fascinating and, you know, really just interesting not just about him but or the trial even but just the broader picture it showed of you know uh, race in America and how we can just see things differently not because we were born with different skin colors but because of what that experience brings with it 
and you know, OJ is uh, an extreme case really of a black man whose main goal it seems was to fit in as seamlessly as possible with powerful and influential white people. And he, I mean, he went above and beyond. He went totally far beyond what probably any black person I've ever seen in my life has done, had done to achieve that end. Because, well, there's really, there's a perception of, in some people's minds, that as a black person, that's a way to a better life. Uh, That's a way to insulate yourself from the different ways that racism can touch you and affect you. That if, hey, if you get in with the right people that you know you won't be attacked by racism as much or to the degree that a lot of other black people are and that if you are attacked on that level or if you're attacked on some other level that that insulation will save you So he went just above and beyond to present himself as this black person who white people could love and who would not do anything or say anything around them or say anything to them that made them feel bad or that would make things difficult. That, you know, if OJ is your black friend, you never have to worry about him, you know, making a Facebook post about police brutality. Because he's not going to, he's not really trying to rock the boat that kind of way. Or, that you don't have to worry about him making some political statement on, in person or on social media or whatever. Because that's just not his bag. He's not. He's not looking to do anything that's going to cause you any any strife or any grief. You know, the whole time he's around you, he's going to, you know, he's going to want you to feel at ease around him. And he believed there was a significant value. And being that kind of person. And that's, a, you know, that's important to know because as the story went on and as his defense team essentially turned him into, you know, civil rights 
hero, or tried to, and as they essentially made the murder trial about the behavior of law enforcement towards black people, it's important to remember that O.J. Simpson is somebody who never does anything to really be one of us, I guess you could say. Um, the only value he sees in being black is when he can use it to present himself as a, the kind of black person white people want to be around. And that's really the only value over the years that he's shown towards being black. So for them to defend him in court, you know, the way that they did, I mean, it worked. And so from that standpoint, I mean, it was a good strategy. It worked. You know, he, he beat the rap. But it's just the height of irony, really. Because, you know, you know, for, for, for this guy to, you know, put on the uniform of the, the persecuted black man when he'd done everything humanly possible to just not be one of us is, is just, I mean, it, it's, it's really just something to see. And it's really something to see it, you know, in video or to hear people who are around him talk about it. And it's just, it, and it honestly just made, it made those, those scenes when they showed black people celebrating the verdict. I don't know, it just, it, it. I mean, it was just kind of hard to really take, really, because, you know, this guy who normally doesn't want anything to do with us, now, you know, when the heat comes and it's, it's to his advantage, now he wants to be one of us. And when, once the heat's gone away, yeah, it was back to what he'd been doing. Now that doesn't mean that you know, the police department, in this case LAPD, that doesn't mean that they didn't deserve the you know, flogging that they got in the courtroom. Uh, it doesn't mean that they didn't deserve to have you know things about them exposed. I mean, it doesn't mean that at all, right? I mean, if you watch, again, if you watch this, if you watch this, and where they really got into just some of the ways the the police investigation was bungled, and when they got into, you know, the park with Mark Furman, you know, I mean, those kind of things like yeah that that stuff needs to be exposed it needs to be put out there but it's a shame that you know that the man whose case 
did a lot of that with O.J. Simpson because look, guilty or innocent I mean, O.J.'s not exactly somebody you should look towards as some type of role model or some type of hero or something, okay? Other than what he did on the football field. I mean, that's really the only place where, you know, you should be out here admiring anything he did. <laughs> because, every, I mean, the rest, I mean, every other time, he was pretty self-absorbed and pretty just determined in his mission to be, you know, white America's favorite black person. And that's, you know, that, that's just, I mean, the way he went about doing that, the way he probably still does go about doing that, in that, I mean, he still has his, some, he still has his rich buddies that he hangs out with now. Right, so still, I mean, the way he went about doing that, the way he goes about living, it's not something that it's not admirable, in my opinion, and that's completely separate from you know being on trial for murder, murdering his ex-wife and her boyfriend. Right, and I mentioned before that like some people, you know still do think he's innocent I don't but you know aside from that if it had never happened right if 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 Ron and Nicole were still alive today that still wouldn't change you know how what kind of person he is and that still wouldn't change how he goes out of his way to you know distance himself from so many things that, you know, black people identify with. And that's a shame, really, because, you know, it's a pretty, it can be a pretty difficult juggling act at times as a black person. Because, look, some of us have, in 2020, have, you know, in your face, racism put on us every day from the time we walk out the door, right? And then some of us don't. But even if it's not physically right there in your face, it's kind of lurking in the background. And it could happen at any time. And it doesn't, you know, in 2020, a lot of times it's not, you know, being physically beat up by a white person or something like that, you know. Racism isn't just clan robes and burning crosses, you know, and that kind of thing. It comes in many different ways and different forms. And... You know, we all have to deal with that. He has to deal with it still. And yet, you know, he runs as far away from any sense of real kinship with the rest of us. Because, 
I'll be honest, he think he just that was he, he thinks that was the, the pathway to a better life. And there are some of us who think that. Who think that you know that, that there's a better life for us, a more successful life for us by you know, cozying up to white people. And I mean I don't mean just I don't mean like having white friends. That's fine. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, some of my best friends are white. <laughs> you know, but you know, seriously though, um, there's a difference between you know becoming friends with somebody and going out of your way to win people's favor by distancing yourself from your own people, and that's what he does. That's what he's done for a long time. And there are, there are people who think that's the way to go. And that's what they do. Not on the scale that he's done it, but they do it. And, you know, they just sit on stuff, right? I mean, things that are definitely on their mind, they find definitely are troubling, but they don't, you know, they don't ever talk about them. They don't, you know, dare bring them up in the company of their white friends and acquaintances, right? Because they don't want to rock the boat. You know, that's, that's, that's a way of life for some black people, right? And you know, it's not something that I approve of. Uh, I think, I don't know, I think it's just, it's a sign of some deeper-rooted issues that you have, if that's what you're doing. And I think it's something that, you know, reflects ultimately reflects badly on you, and it says that you were not comfortable enough in who you are, that you need to do that. says that you're more concerned with what one group of people thinks about you than the other. Now, obviously, there are some people whose opinion you should value more than others, but to go to go chasing that kind of, to go chasing a good opinion about you and to distance yourself from people who may already have a really high opinion of you to start with, but to distance yourself from them, to go chasing after the approval of a whole other group of people. You know, and that, and that's not just, you know, a race thing either. I mean, you know, that, that, that cuts across all different kinds of groups of people, however, however we can group people, you know, to chase after the approval of those who don't, well, to completely disregard the approval of people who in many cases already approve of you, to go chasing after the approval of others, you know, it's, it's a bad look, really.
and it can ultimately backfire on you. And if you're not O.J. Simpson, if you're not somebody who was such a prominent figure that it was able to, you know, if you were able to curry some lost favor with the people you had abandoned, if like if you're not in that position, then when it comes back to bite you, you know you uh, you might be up the creek seriously. So, you know, from that standpoint, that was one of the biggest parts of the documentary. You know, completely separate from the trial itself. Just this picture of O.J. Simpson and how, I mean, he's essentially, he's the icon of black people who go too far to win the approval of white people. And in the process, you know, completely distance themselves or almost cut themselves off from their fellow black people. And that, you know, there's a, one of the many takeaways from this documentary is that portrait of this guy, O.J. Simpson. Alright, that song you heard was Snow, another Red Hot Chili Pepper song. That was from Stadium Arcadium about seven or eight years ago. They made that one. And so it's more recent than the stuff I played earlier. And I'll, you know, get to some of the more, some of the older stuff they did before we finish here. But now, you know, I'm going to keep going with this OJ thing because 
you know, I spent the last segment talking a lot about it, and I, you know, I watched the whole documentary this week, all five parts of it. They showed it again on ESPN, and if you have ESPN Plus, you can go back and watch them whenever you want to. If you do, I recommend doing that. It's very well done, and it's very gripping, and you know, it's one of those things that once they get going, it's really hard to take your eyes off of and change the channel, and there's just so much so much material there that you can chew over and just talk about. I mean, so much there. You know, and I spent the last segment talking a lot about how, you know, OJ was very much chasing the approval of white people to the extent that he pretty much threw his fellow black people under the bus, at least socially anyway. You know, now, you know, when the trial started, uh, then he tried to be Mr. Black Man again. You know, and after that also. You know, but the trial itself was, you know, and I mean, in the, in, you know, you, you probably saw, you probably seen video of when the verdict was announced and they showed they showed a room full of black people cheering and a room full of white people one saying what the hell is this you know and they presented it very much as you know something that broke down along racial lines and they you know did polling where like 75% of the white people thought he was guilty and 75% of the black people thought he was innocent yeah, and I'm here to tell you it isn't quite that cut and dried. Now, listen, I mean, okay, correct, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine for most white people, it was real simple. If you, you either think he was guilty or you don't, right? There's no, there wasn't any, you know, broader social context. There wasn't any, you know... Or there wasn't much of an internal debate about other things or what have you. You know, but watching that as a black man, uh, there absolutely was more to it than just, you know, did I think he did it or not? You know, because it was just, it was a, a deeper look at not so great relationship that exists between black people and law enforcement because in this case you know OJ was he was investigated and ultimately arrested by the LAPD now the LAPD has a pretty long sordid history of all kinds of misconduct and uh, corruption and police brutality and all kinds of stuff So you can imagine, you know, as a black man looking at that, even if you get that feeling on the inside that, yeah, he probably did do it, that, you know, the LAPD being involved, that alone is enough to plant some seeds of doubt. And then when it came out during the trial that, they flat out mishandled a bunch of stuff 
And in one instance, like the guy from the crime lab brought OJ's blood to the crime scene, which means, you know, I mean, which is just totally bizarre. You know, something that basically doesn't happen, but it happened this time. And that, that's the kind of thing where, I mean, if you're looking at it, you're like, well, that's really fishy. And, you know, it gives some oxygen to the idea that, you know, maybe this investigation wasn't done on the up and up. Which means even if he is just stone guilty, you know, things are being handled in such a way that, you know, it, it, it warrants some type of admonishment of, or admonishing, or however you say it, of the LAPD. And, you know, because just their history, right? And this was only a few years after Rodney King. So there's, you know, the, the distrust of law enforcement <laughs> by, you know, black people in general, but particularly black people who lived there, it was, you know, it was pretty damn high. And to be honest, it, I don't really think you could say that it wasn't warranted. So, you know, we're looking at somebody here black man who was you know investigated and ultimately arrested by a police department is not known as a bastion of integrity and I got the hiccups right now so I'm going to play you some more music and then I'm going to get back to this Okay, we're back. I uh, got rid of the hiccups. And now we can get back to talking about the OJ thing. So like I was saying, you know, this was a much more complex thing to watch unfold for black people. Because, you know, again, just to reset here, you know, the LAPD had been involved. They did the investigation and they arrested him. <clears throat> and their history just you know puts a cloud over anything like this and then it was found that they messed up a bunch of stuff during the investigation too so if you're inclined to not trust the LAPD in general then you know the recognition that they actually did 
messed some stuff up here and it was documented and proven, you know, doesn't put the prosecution in a pretty good, in a particularly good light. Um, it does put some doubt on what you think the verdict should be. Now, for me, you know, I ultimately fell into that boat where, yeah, I thought he did it, but I don't think they proved it. <clears throat> I, you know, I think just between the, the things that the PD messed up versus, I mean, in addition to just the mistakes that they made, the prosecution made during the whole trial itself, you know, all of that added up to me that, you know, as far as what the verdict should be based on the case that was presented and how it was presented, that the verdict, you know, would be, should in this case, should be not guilty or at least, you know, hung jury or something. Um, if he was not O.J. Simpson, if he was just a, you know, quote-unquote regular dude in the same boat and you know there will you know and the same kind of case was presented um you know i don't think we'd be so quick to just to jump up and down and say well he should be found guilty anyway i think in this particular case they 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 blew it and i can tell you that you know a few years after that i was on a jury and it wasn't it wasn't for murder but it was it was for a criminal case, and it was a similar situation where, like, none of us really thought the guy was innocent, but if you're supposed to look strictly at the case that the prosecution presented and how they presented it, we were like, well, they didn't really do a very good job of presenting it. They really didn't present things in such a way that, you know, convinced us that we should say he was guilty. You know, I know that sounds like you're basically like you're grading the prosecution as a performance. And look, I mean, there are performative aspects of a trial. But, you know, when the information that they present, you know, is not particularly trustworthy, you know, because of things they did wrong then, you know, performative aspects aside, you know, they've dug their own hole. And, I, you know, looking back <clears throat> at the way the prosecution carried on during this trial and the, the way that everything was investigated, I mean, they, it's their own fault that OJ was found not guilty. It really is. And now, where this gets complex, or whatever you might want to call it, for us, is that, you know, we're looking at, you know, black man on trial by a police department with a history of just downright corrupt behavior and 
you know, this is on the heels of just decades and decades of this kind of thing happening. So, you know, if you're a, if you were, you know, black senior citizen at the time this was going on, you very well, very well may have seen, you know, your parents, your siblings, and your children put through this kind of ringer. And that, yeah, that's 100% going to affect the way you look at this, or the way you looked at that trial as it was going on. And understand that, you know, the people who were cheering the verdict, well, I can't speak for all of them. <clears throat> but, you know, I know the people I knew, like, there wasn't any particular love for O.J. Simpson here. And not at all. It was... You know, the, I wouldn't even call it a victory. I mean, it was just that he was able to not be taken down by a knowingly corrupt police department. And there are so many innocent black men who have been railroaded and gotten life sentences or death sentences talking about innocent people here who have gotten that treatment so many times that well for a lot of folks it was it was kind of hard to really get mad at him beating the rap You know, it was just, and that doesn't mean that you don't have any sympathy for the Brown family. It doesn't mean that you love O.J. Simpson. But looking at it in within the, the larger picture of history, for a lot of people, this was just not something they were going to be outraged over. This was not something where they were going to say where that we needed to, you know, change the way that the justice system operates. Because, you know, for a lot of people, this is the same kind of garbage in, garbage out result. This happens any other time. And this was kind of the fruit of a poison tree, you could say. That, you know, when you have this particular, you know, jurisdiction of police department, prosecutor and all of that, with their history, it is only a matter of time, you know, that, you know, the same system that has system, you know, it had deliberately railroaded and deliberately just twisted the process for so many people for decades that sooner or later it was going to come back to bite him in the ass and this was that so no I mean again there was you no know, love for OJ Simpson no um, 
happiness over him getting away with murder? No. But, you know, looking at the, the prosecution and the LAPD and kind of saying, yeah, see, this is what y'all get this time. This is what happens when you keep when you keep acting the way you do. Sooner or later, you know, the same rules that you bent and twisted and took advantage of. Sooner or later, somebody's gonna use those same rules. Somebody's gonna play the same game that you did, and they're gonna beat you at it. And that might be kind of hard to swallow with some of y'all. Okay, I get it, right? And and it sounds like revenge, even. Um, I wouldn't call it revenge, no. But it's kind of like, well, again, all these years, all these decades of a knowingly corrupt police department. Like, like this wasn't rumor or you know, urban legend or anything like that, you know, they had been busted a bunch of times doing wrong. So no, it's not, not revenge, but just that, well, as many times that they've been caught doing wrong and we don't see anybody else out here upset about that but now you want us to be upset about this verdict and that just wasn't going to happen I mean it's just a way of saying that you know when you know like with Rodney King okay there was video of Rodney King and for that to be met with a bunch of, you know, well, actually, well, we don't know what really happened. Or, you know, even just, you know, excuses, explanations, you know, equivocations, all kinds of things. You know, when, you're told that you're overreacting because you see a police video, you see a video where the police are clearly going way out of bounds. And you get upset about that and you're told you're overreacting. Well, when something like this happens where, you know, OJ got representation, he went to trial. His attorneys were better than the prosecutors. And, you know, he went through the justice system and he got a verdict. So, now, you know, if you want me to be mad about the verdict, <clears throat> but you wouldn't, but you didn't get mad about the stuff I pointed out, well, I mean, Really? I mean, that's just not going to happen. Because it isn't. And that might be hard to swallow. But, you know, what 
what was being said by the people reacting to that verdict in a lot of instances was that you know we're not going to get upset about this if you can't get upset about the things we bring up if when we bring up something you tell us that we're overreacting or that we just saw it wrong or you try to point to say you know what about black on black crime you know it it just if our concerns our outrage is going to be met with just constant deflection and you know well actually all that kind of stuff then you shouldn't turn around later and expect us to give the same kind of to give, to give you know deference to your outreach and when we don't give deference to your outreach you shouldn't get upset about it because look it's a two way street Right? I mean, I can sit here and say that, yeah, I think he's guilty and I think he should have gone to jail. And the LAPD has been wrong as hell for a really long time. Right, Both of those can be true. You know, but if you want us to acknowledge the one and then you won't acknowledge the other or However, you know, I mean, like it, you know, it, you tell us to be quiet when we get mad, then don't get upset, you know, when you get mad and we're just like, whatever. And that's really, in my opinion, what was going on here a lot with the different reactions to that verdict. And I mean, I don't think it wasn't portrayed that way. You know, on TV, they tried to make it into, you know, some race war kind of thing. It wasn't that. It's just saying that, look, if you don't care about my problems, don't, don't, don't look for me to care about yours. That's not how it works. Just isn't.
Okay, so now you know, we can get into what happened after the trial and after the verdict. Well, because I just, well, this is really interesting, really. And because OJ, you know, he gets acquitted, comes home, remains adamant that he did not do it. And he expected his neighbors to kind of treat him as if nothing had ever happened. And he was surprised when they did the opposite, when they just continually just looked, you know, looked at him funny or, or felt really weird around him. And he should have expected that. I mean, you know, he, you know, his proclamations of innocence aside, you know, he, he had to know that they thought he was guilty or at least some of his neighbors thought he was guilty and that was going to affect the way they looked at him going forward. But I don't know, maybe he was just delusional, but, you know, they, they clearly didn't want him around anymore and he eventually moved. Yeah, but you know the question is, well, how should they have treated him? Because you know, on the one hand, well, he was acquitted. He went to trial. He was acquitted. But you know, also, you think he did it? And if he did it, then that means he murdered two people, which. You know, has to make you wonder, as his neighbor, just what exactly is this dude capable of if he gets mad at me about something? So, you know, there's disdain, anger over the verdict, plus a little fear about what this guy might do to you. So, yeah, uh, they, you know, a lot of his neighbors just weren't, weren't, were not, were not about that. They were not here for that. So they made him uncomfortable and when he came home. So he eventually ended up leaving. But it's one of those things where, you know, as a society, you know, how are we supposed to treat people when, you know, they go on trial, they go through the system, and they're acquitted. You know, are we supposed to treat them like they're still guilty? Or not? And I'm bringing this up because, you know, on the other side, on the other end of the street there, they're the people who are convicted of crimes, who go to jail, who do their time, and they come out, and we should treat them as if they paid their debt to society and as if they don't owe us anything else. And they should be allowed to resume their lives and go find work 
and take care of themselves without us looking at them like they're still in jail. And how often do we just fail there? You know, how often do we put up roadblocks to prevent them from finding work after they've served their time? You know, how often do we look down on them because they're a convict, right? I mean, it's just, that's not right either. So just in general, the way we treat people who've gone through the justice system, you know, if, if it's if it's someone that we have decided is worthy of being frowned upon or who deserves to be frowned upon by us, then there's nothing they can do right. You know, they go through the system and get acquitted. We still don't like them. We still got issue with them. They get convicted. They do their time. They, you know, they do their, pay their debt to society. They come home. And we look at them like they're still in the act of committing crimes. You know, we still look down on them. We still make life hard for them after they get out. You know, so look, this this documentary, what it really did was, more than anything, was focus on the, the world around O.J. Simpson and how that world made him into what he is and, and, well, and to, to what he was and how it made him into what he is today. And it held up a mirror to the rest of us to show us the ways that, you know, we mistreat people as a society or the, or the ways that we are inconsistent about things as a society. You know, the ways that we empower people, you know, and who, quite frankly, should not have that much authority. And it's just uh, not a pretty picture when you look at it, but, you know, O.J. Simpson himself is such a lightning rod for every sentiment and every emotion and every argument from every direction. He is such a lightning rod for everything that it is way too easy to get caught up focusing on him and not see the bigger picture. And unfortunately, I think that's what we, that's what I, I think we failed to do. We have, you know, failed to look at the bigger picture. We, instead we focus on him as a singular object of disdain. Or, you know, we look at him as this kind of twisted <laughs> example of and how the system can mistreat people. And, you know, he was made into a makeshift civil rights hero for a time because of how, you know, Johnny Cochran in particular was able to turn his murder trial into essentially a 
trial of the LAPD. And that's how they won, really. I mean, instead of it being a trial of O.J. Simpson for murder, his attorneys turned it into an you know, expose of how messed up the LAPD is and how inept the, the prosecutor's office was. And that's how he got acquitted because it was pretty easy to prove that the LAPD was doing some really jacked up things and it was easy to prove that the prosecution was inept and that's what they were able to do and that's why he got acquitted and that's the most important thing to remember when we talk about the trial and his acquittal is that you know the police and the prosecution blew it you know outside of his actual guilt or innocence I mean even look if he's stone cold innocent that's still just because of the way things tend to work that's still a pretty open and shut case if the police don't make the mistakes that they did in collecting evidence and all. And if the prosecution doesn't mess up, just at so many points during making their case. And there's one more thing, though. And that's the, the reputation of the police department also is a player in how the case turned out. Because, you know, again, they have, the LAPD in particular has a, you know, documented history. Not just stuff that's, you know, up for interpretation or can be argued about or whatever. Like, I'm talking about documented history of just, you know, serious, bad, racist acts during its history. And that, you know what, that opened the door. That opened the door to skepticism. Even if there shouldn't have been any. It just, it it opens the door every time. And then, when you take that, and then they screw things up on top of that, well, that, now you're reinforcing the reputation with, you know, present day things. You know, that, and that's, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. And really, you know, when we talk about racism, what we often don't get to is that it, I mean, it poisons the whole society. It poisons the whole system, right? Because, you know, the way that the LAPD has acted for decades ultimately came back to bite them with this trial because their reputation opened them up for scrutiny they made more mistakes that added to that reputation so there's no benefit of the doubt for them here because of their history and there's no reason to believe that they did things the right way when they investigated the crime scene there's no reason to believe that 
they did things the right way when they arrested him. And then, you know, the prosecution compounded that with their own mistakes, one of which was trusting Mark Furman, who, you know, lied on the witness stand. So now, you know, we quite possibly have somebody who killed his ex-wife and her boyfriend, Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. We have somebody who quite possibly did that and got away with it. And one of the biggest reasons he got away with it was because the people who we look to to enforce the law and prosecute people who do that kind of stuff were already morally compromised going in. And that's what I mean. That's what racism does. It takes away it. It hurts the victims, but it also takes away the credibility of everyone else. So when you do a bunch of racist stuff like LAPD is known for doing, and when and when you you know sit back and let them do it and watch and do it or. Don't listen to people who are trying to tell you that, hey, these guys are not on the up and up all the time here. It eventually comes back and it bites you in the ass. And that's what happened here. Yeah, no matter what he did or didn't actually do, they, you know, the whole thing was screwed because of how these folks had acted previously. You know, and that's to me. That's and that's the thing you need to get your head around. You know, if if you were mad about how it turned out then, if you're still mad about it now. You know, that's the one thing you need to get your head wrapped around. That that outcome was made possible because of the previous actions of the people involved. You know, again, we talk about racism and its effects. You know, yeah, you you can get some conversations going about the victims sometimes. But you need to look at how it affects everything else too. Because ultimately, you, know, you may do yourself in. Either by being racist or by allowing it. You know, I mean, we can go back to, you know, the old... Now you go back to Jim Crow days and you know and how many how many business people, you know, store owners or whatever, how many of them literally cut themselves out of, you know, millions of dollars simply by not serving black people? Right? I mean they made a conscious decision to pass up on, you know, millions of dollars of business because they decided they'd rather be racist. You know, think about that. You know, how, I mean, you know, there are people who, there are people whose businesses went under because of that. There are people who, whose businesses could have been a lot bigger than they turned out being because of that. So, so think of that and then think of how, you know, the decision to operate in a, documented racist manner 
you know, by law enforcement, by the prosecutors. You know, so think about that and how for years, decades, you know, they were so wed to doing things that way that it was more important than, you know, looking at the bigger picture. And then ultimately it cost them on, on you know, the biggest, highest profile, you know, stage, I guess you could call it. And it cost them. And, you know, Marsha, Marsha Clark and, you know, Chris Darden have, you know, egg on their face for the rest of their lives because of how they handled that case. You know, I mean, the LAPD was already being looked at funny for, you know, things like Rodney King. You know, but then this was just more confirmation. I mean, how, and how much of a bigger hit to their credibility did they take? When, from the way they handled this case. So if you're going to be mad about the outcome, you know, you should be mad at those people too. Like, you know, if you think OJ is guilty, then of course you should be mad at him for doing it. But you should also be mad at the people who blew it. Not just for what they did then during the trial and during the investigation, but for how they behaved before that. That, that you know, put their reputation in such a low place that OJ's defense team was able to turn a murder trial into, you know, essentially a trial of the justice system in Los Angeles. I mean, that can't happen if if you got a better reputation. That that kind of thing can't ha doesn't happen. But it did, and it did because of how they behaved before. So if if you you know, if you were mad about it, how things turned out then, if you're still mad about it now, or if you just found out about it recently and you're mad about it now because you just found out about it all, you know, don't be mad at the defense attorneys who got OJ off because no matter how good they are, how good they were, you know, they were handed the, you know, way to victory by the other side. They were handed the way to victory by the people who are supposed to prosecute these cases and investigate these cases. So you should also be mad that those people screwed up and at their history because that history makes it harder to succeed today. Just just a few things to think about there, you know. Just a few things. You know what you know what you do in the past doesn't vanish just because the calendar changes or just because you know you don't get hit for it immediately. You know, sometimes you know you're slowly building and building brick by brick, a bad reputation over time. And when you need your reputation to bolster you the most, instead of a good reputation, you have 
this big massive thing that is not what you think it would be or not what you wanted it to be and it can hurt you in the day it can hurt you in the future just a few things to think about just a little something to think about there folks uh almost well, up like an hour and a half now here i think that that's enough of me talking in your ear and you're probably ready to move on to something else and i promised i wouldn't do you know ridiculous two and three hour shows so i'm going to stick to that i hope y'all enjoyed my singular topic this week uh I have no idea what next week's topic is going to be or if it's going to be more than one or what. Uh, we're heading into week three of the old quarantine, you know, social distancing thing. And we're probably going to be doing this for a while. Do yourself a favor. Stay home. Don't go out if you don't have to. I mean, seriously, this is not a joke. This is not a game. Now, the best thing for everything, the best thing for everybody to do is to stay home and not be all up in each other's face, breathing in each other's face and all that stuff because, you know, this thing is really doing a number on a lot of people. So, hopefully, um, you know, giving you a little something interesting to listen to during some of this time. And I'm going to keep it going. And I hope and pray that y'all, everybody stay safe out there and that we just minimize as much as we can the effects of this thing and that as many of us as possible can pull through it. And you look my thoughts and prayers and condolences to anybody who's lost someone through this. Um, if I could make it all better, I could. But it, it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't, look, I don't have any magic words here for that. I'm not going to try to say anything, you know, special or anything. Just my heart goes out to all of y'all who've lost somebody because of this. And my heart goes out to all of you who are working in hospitals and who are you know, and other professions that have you on the front lines here are delivery people, people, you know, making food, you know, first responders out there, 
I mean, all of you, look, I love all of y'all. And, you know, y'all are keeping this ship afloat for real. And, you know, and the rest of us need to remember that, you know, calling these folks, you know, low skilled workers and all that kind of thing. You know, it was, it was always a bad move anyway, but, you know, it's an extra bad move right now. And it's an extra bad move in the future because point for these folks, you know, we'd be running out of food real fast and we might be out here trying to eat each other or something. I don't know. Um, so keep these folks in mind. And, you know, when, when it's time for them to ask for, you know, more money or better working conditions or safer working conditions, you know, you know when, when they get around to asking for that, you know, we should support them in that because, like I said, they're keeping the ship afloat here. And they deserve to be rightfully compensated for that and they deserve to work in the safest conditions we can possibly put them in. You know, and... You know, they deserve that. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not less than us. They're not lower than us because of what they do. You know, and we shouldn't look at them that way. But anyway, you know, uh, again, be safe. Have a good week. This coming week, those of y'all with kids at home, keep your heads up, keep your head together. And until next time, this is it. I'm going to leave you with one more Red Hot Chili Pepper song on the way out here. But until then, I will talk to you all later. <laughs>